who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair and yep. his ice-cold demeanor and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. My name is Sergeant Andrew Scott. Come on, guys, don't do this. If I don't get breakfast, I get real grumpy. I don't think you like me grumpy. And you go in pieces, asshole. Let's kick some ass. Hello and welcome back to I Must Break, this podcast, the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host, Sean Malloy, and on today's special interview episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with screenwriter Michael Nashoff. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to remind you all to please feel free to rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews, especially those five-star reviews. Those always help. Uh, also, please be sure to check out the Facebook page for the show, I Must Break This Podcast. Here you can stay up to date on the show, the career of Mr. Dolph Lundgren, and other news regarding action cinema in general. So if you're not already following the page, please feel free to like it, share it, and continue being a fan and helping spread the word. Uh, lastly, if you'd like to get in contact with me with ideas, suggestions, or thoughts on the show in general, you can take a look at the official webpage for the show, which is imustbreakthispodcast.wordpress.com. Now, on to today's conversation. Uh, recently, I had the privilege of speaking with screenwriter and visual effects artist Michael Nashoff. Nashoff has been working in the industry since 2006 in a variety of capacities, from post-production coordinator, to writer, to visual effects producer. In fact, Nashoff has had a hand in a number of collaborations with director Uwe Boll. These collaborations led Nashoff to write two projects for Uwe Boll, one of which being In the Name of the King 2, Two Worlds. In this sequel to In the Name of the King, Dolph Lundgren took over for Jason Statham and starred as Granger a former Special Forces soldier turned karate instructor who travels back in time to stop an evil king and fulfill an ancient prophecy. The king requests your presence. Why have I been brought here? Our kingdom, our very existence is threatened by the Dark One. There is to be a fountain of blood in your days ahead. It is your destiny. Chosen one. Chosen to do what? You shall change all our futures. You shall fight like the god of war himself. You have been brought here as the prophecy has decreed. The chosen one! Our journey has just begun. Perhaps you'd prefer a larger blade. You gotta be kidding me. Easy, boy. We all better get the hell out of here. May the gods shine upon you and bring you home victorious. 
this conversation, Michael Nashoff and I chat writing the sequel and working alongside the wild personality that is Uva Bowl. We also discuss his work in the field of visual effects. In fact, Nashoff is currently one of the lead visual effects producers on the television series Van Helsing, which airs on the Sci-Fi Network and is currently entering its fifth and final season. As usual, it was an honor being able to speak with another one of the creative talents behind another film starring the unmistakable Dolph Lundgren. You can follow Michael Nashoff on Twitter at Michael underscore Nashoff. Also, take a look at his comic strip, Chai Coffee Shop, which is also on his Twitter. So, for your listening pleasure is my conversation with Michael Nashoff on I Must Break This Podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. I really do appreciate it. And of course, I want to be respectful of your time and everything, but it's a pleasure to talk with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm flattered. Thank you. Well, and Vancouver, I mean, this is interesting because, uh, yeah, Vancouver is one area that uh, I've always wanted to go to. I mean, last year I spoke with, uh, I actually had the pleasure of speaking with Uva Bowl, and yep. he and I were talking and I told him, I said, yeah, I'd really like to check out your restaurant, and I'd love to have a beer with you. And he says, most definitely. And then I just found out that it uh, unfortunately closed due to the pandemic. Uh, yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, I mean, Uva sort of, um, you know, he's got he's got places around the world, um, but he did he did have Bauhaus in Vancouver, and yeah, it's it's an unfortunate thing because it was a great restaurant, um, and you know, he was very passionate about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was always a good time to go in there. I mean, he held, uh, you know, a few events there that I've attended and, um, you know, even just going in for lunch or dessert or whatnot, but yeah, I, uh, I actually, as it happens, I, I wanted to, um, you know, Uva usually sends links to, you know, some of the stuff he does. Um, and I hadn't heard that. So I listened to that actually last night. Um, and it was, uh, it was good. It was, it was a, it was a good interview. It was, it was fun. Oh, thank you. Well, I was hoping, you know, before we discuss your uh, the the films that you've had a hand in in writing and working on, I was hoping to kind mm-hmm. of go to the beginning for a bit. Was was working in the movie business something that you always had on your radar and something that you always uh, aspired to do? Well, it's it's funny because it's it's sort of come full circle. I I started writing. Um, I mean, that's the my earliest memory of being creative was. Um, you just writing long form stories, um, and, uh, you know, um, and then I got a cartooning in my teens, uh, and then I, I sort of put that away. Um, and then I got into the movie business. Uh, I've always loved movies. I've always loved television shows and sort of the visual theatrics, uh, as it were. Um, and then I, um, I, yeah, I, I jumped into movies. I, I started working on set. I got into set deck in Toronto, uh, you know, volunteering for the Canadian film center, et cetera, et cetera, which is, which is huge up here. I mean, they're, um, one of the more formidable outfits up here. Um, so volunteering with them and then, and then I got into the union for, for doing set deck. Um, you know, the drill there, you get called at 11 at night and they ask you to be somewhere at three in the morning or four in the morning. Um, so those were sort of day calls on set deck. And then, uh, when I moved out to Vancouver in '99, um, I, uh, I started up with uh, the uh, the um, 
visual effects supervisor, John Gadecki. Um, he was on a movie called I, Robot. Um, he's done a whack of stuff. He's, he's, a, he's a great supervisor. And he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, so, yeah, he kind of brought me in, and, you know, I started doing a little bit of graphic work for him. And, and uh, the great thing with John is he'll, you know, if, if you show some sort of, um, you know, some sort of talent for things like matte paintings, et cetera, um, then, uh, you know, he'll bring you in and he doesn't care about your resume. He just wants to see, you know, your potential. And um, so I was working with him. I, I was at Bright Light Pictures for a while, uh, who did a lot of Uva's movies. Uh, and that's how I got, you know, essentially I'm on, I'm on set, I'm in the office, I'm coordinating, uh, I'm doing distribution for Uva. Um, and then, um, and he knew I was a writer and he, one year he just, he tapped me to write uh, Blood Rain 3 and In the Name of the King 2 in the same year. So, you know, not, not too many writers get that opportunity of writing two features in a year. Uh, so, you know, Uva was, I'll never obviously forget him for that. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a good friend and whatnot. And, you know, we have that outside of the industry now, uh, cause we don't, we don't work together professionally anymore, but, uh, yeah, he really, you know, he, he really, uh, gave me an opportunity. So it's been a, yeah, I, I guess I've sort of speaking to the full circle of it all. Um, I'm now, I've been tub thumping a few scripts and, you know, in, beyond my, my duties as my, you know, in my day job as a, as a visual effects producer now, um, I've been uh, circulating scripts and one of them I'm really passionate about for years. I haven't been able to let it go. I've written verse, you know, various, uh, various uh, versions of it. And now I'm writing a book. Um, and I'm also back into the cartooning. I do a, a strip on Twitter called uh, chai coffee, coffee shop, um, which is also going to be re-released. I sort of put it on hold with COVID and, uh, I'm a visual effects producer on Van Helsing, the TV show Van Helsing, uh, for the past five years. Um, the second year I was in the writer room as, uh, as a coordinator, but, uh, the other four years I've been a, a VFX producer. Uh, and we are actually coincidentally finishing up our fifth season, uh, the VFX work on it, uh, this week, next week. So, uh, yeah, we're just on the cusp of putting, putting that series to bed, um, uh, which has been great. So, yeah full circle, I think, from uh, writing back to the writing. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, g- going back to Uva Bowl, I mean, when I when I spoke with him uh, over a year ago, I mean, th- that's, one, that's one guy I've always followed his career. And, you know, it's interesting because fans of film are very divisive on, on him and his movies and everything like that. But I will say, yeah. I think I've always found him to be a, a fascinating inv- individual, especially in terms of the business side of things. And now, you know, obviously he um, he said that he's retired from the film business. I don't know if I uh, if I necessarily believe that. I like to think that uh, I like to think we're going to see a comeback of, of him, and we're going to see him uh, doing some more stuff eventually. It may take a few years, but I mean, he really did come into his own as a filmmaker, and he became actually quite good as uh, as he went on. He just unfortunately didn't get the uh, the positive attention that I think he deserved. I I agree, and uh, it's okay for me to swear on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I think the short end of the. I, I think people, um, you know, are quite, you know, they're. I don't know. They're. They don't give him. You know, they give him short shrift. Uh, I was going to swear, but I I put that away for now. 
Um, you know, when you look at the, the range of movies that he's done, and say what you will about them narratively or the acting or or whatnot, you know, even the direction, um, you know, he is he's really branched out, like, you know, from, from uh, you know, bailout, you know, to, uh, I mean, you name it. I mean, to Auschwitz, you know, Matt, you know, Max Schmeling. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a fun movie. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and then I know he talked to you about Darfur, uh, and then the Rampage series and whatnot. Um, and then Tunnel Rats. I mean, he's, you know, again, say what you will. Um, and of course you can pick them apart, you know, creatively and you can, you can pick apart some of the acting. Well, at least in recent times, you know, a director who has that much of a varied oeuvre, as it were. Um, I mean, he's really tried different genres and, you know, sometimes, you know, less successful. Um, sometimes, you, you know, you have movies like Postal, which <laughs> was, you know, I remember I remember we were at a, at, a, um, at a party for the Vancouver Film Fest and we're standing around drinking wine and he was pitching Postal and he was pitching the opening of that, of the hijackers having a fight in the plane before they hit the Twin Towers. I was like, you can't put that on film. You can't put that out there. And of course, it's Uva, right? I mean, he's, he's, a, you know, he's, a, he's someone who likes to push buttons and, um, you know, he's, uh, he did it. But, uh, that ended up being, I think, one of his more successful movies. I mean, you know, not in terms of the box office, in terms of House of Evil, et cetera. But I mean, I give him kudos. He's put so much out there and so many different things that, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's been a great career. And in answer to your question, long, long-winded answer, uh, I don't think he's done. I think he's just going to find the right vehicle, whether it's a television series, uh, whether it's, you know, a, sort of a day in the life of Uva. I've always talked to him about that. I think that he could do that. And because, you know, well, I mean, back in the day when we could all, you know, sit in the same room together, we would play poker um, or we would, you know, go for a meal or whatever. And just the rapport, I mean, he's a very funny man. Uh, he's, he's a very smart man and, uh, you know, just, just put a camera on him. I mean, I mean, anyone who can green light anything who's listening to this, I mean, that's the way to go because he's gold that way. Um, and he's got a, he's got a lot of insight, you know, into, uh, you know, I mean, some of it, he tries to dress in his movies like Darfur, Bailout, um, but, you know, he's on top of the, the sort of the, the topical events in the world and, and he's got, He's got sort of really sort of, um, I mean, solid insight on where we're going as a, as a species. And, uh, you know, people dismiss him because of his movies or because of, you know, you know his, his public persona, et cetera. But uh, he's a very conscientious man. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't think we've seen the last of him professionally, not at all. Well, and even if, okay, even if we do see the last of him, well, let's say he is, a, you know, retired for good, you know, how many filmmakers out there, I mean, this is one thing that you have to respect as well about him, say what you will about his movies, is the fact that he was able to have a really long career, okay, in film, but he was able to make the movies that he wanted to make. And I don't think yeah. too many film directors, when they hang it up for good, can say that. I mean, obviously, you know, you have the Spielbergs and the Ron Howards and the Quentin Tarantinos. I mean, but... In the huge, uh, uh, the huge gamut of film, if you will, 
not many directors can say that. And he, he can, you know, I think at the end of the day, he can go to bed saying, you know, hey, maybe a lot of my films were uh, critically reviled, but, you know, I got to make the ones that I wanted to make that made me happy. And I think that's, in my opinion, extremely commendable. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, however he set them up financially, however he got them done, he got them done. So, you know, you have the more commercial films like The Postals or the In the, in the Name of the King one, et cetera. But you've also got, you know, you've got, um, you know, like, um, what, like Stoic. I mean, there's a very intimate shot on one location, you know, about, I, I believe it's based on a true story in Germany uh, about uh, some inmates who harangued another inmate and basically he hung himself um, and or they helped him, who knows. Uh, but it's, 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 a, it's graphic, it's hard to watch, but it's, it's got some great acting in it. Um, and that takes a lot of bravado to send that out there. I mean, that's, it's, you don't finish that movie thinking, wow, this is a great date night movie, um, but it makes you think. And, and, you know, again, kudos to him. I think he, he did it all himself. Um, yeah. And, of course, it helps the early success, House of Evil, uh, you know, that puts you on the map, that puts money in the in the coffers, so people are willing to greenlight more things. Um, and that's that's the thing you see with the Tarantinos, or obviously Spielberg, um, is, you know, they have a couple of massive hits, and then that begets, you know, uh, whatever they want to do after that. So, you know, I mean, with Uva, because he's funding everything basically himself, um, you know, I mean, the, the, the scale of them changed a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, in the name of the King one and two, there's there's a big budget change between those two movies, but um, you know he still he still makes them and he he still could. I mean, he could he could go out tomorrow and generate enough interest. That's the thing. He's he's very passionate about film. He's very passionate about you know putting the deals together and and talking to people and and uh, you know he's a, he's a very personable man. Now, obviously, you're a you're a visual effects guy, and so I, I really like to talk about your your work in the in the field of visual effects. I noticed that one of your very first gigs in film was at least credited on IMDb was working on uh, the crew for the film Slither, and Slither yes. obviously <laughs> is a cult classic, very much deserving of its status. What kind of work did you do on that film in the special effects department? Because the one thing I love about the film is it successfully blends both practical special effects with CGI effects. Yes. Yeah. We had, uh, I, if memory serves, it was Todd Masters who did the special effects on that, and then John Gadecki, um, who did the visual effects. And we shot it up here in Canada. We shot it in, in Langley, um, uh, which is about an hour drive. Uh, and we shot it mostly at nights because most of the movie takes place at nights. Um, and it was it was really my first foray into into a, a substantial like from from soup to nuts on a on a production. So in visual effects, I mean, you know, you're there in pre production for a bit. You're you're there for the whole shoot. You're on set. You know, sometimes 14 hour days, 16 hour days, um, and then you're there in post. And you know, everyone wraps up and you know, packs up their tents, moves away, and goes on to other shows. And visual effects, of course, continues. Uh, for something like Slither, it could be four months, it could be six months. You know, Dungeon Siege was a, a lot longer than that because it was a massive film. Um, so, yeah, essentially I was I was on set with John, um, not every day, but most days. Uh, and then I was in the office coordinating. Um, so, 
you know, basically onset to help and, and learn about the onset from John. I mean, there's, again, I, you know, you, I can wax poetic, but um, you can look up his credits. He's, uh, and you may already be aware of who he is, but he's, you know, he's encyclopedic. I mean, he, he knows, he knows about everything basically. Um, and he's a, he's a great visual effects supervisor and he's, he's really someone who takes sort of, you know, newbies and, and young artists and whatnot under his wing. And when he sees the potential in you, he, um, so he's, he's gracious that way. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, 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 I mean, most recently he's been on, you know, shows like Project Blue Book, you know, um, which is, which is a huge series. Um, and then, uh, and then features. Um, but, uh, anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, that was it. We were we were out with uh, Elizabeth Banks and um, and um, I'm just completely blank on everyone else who's in it. Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, Nathan Fillion and uh, yeah, thank you, Jenna Nathan, Fisher. Nathan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were out in Langley all night, you know, shooting. And then and then once we wrapped out, then we were in the office. And, uh, we had an in-office team, and we had some external vendors working on it as well a little bit. Uh, if memory serves, and um, yeah, James Gunn was in in L.A. and we'd do conference calls and we'd do we'd do review sessions with him, and he'd come up every so often, and uh, you know, it was uh, it was a great learning experience. Well, and you already uh, you already kind of touched upon it, so I'll go there right now. So mm-hmm. in 2011, uh, Uva basically asked you, uh, I, I don't know how the exact conversation went, but he said uh, something along the lines of. Hey, would you like to write not just one but two movies for me, please? <laughs> so, h- how did uh, how did those gigs come about? Because the thing that's wild about them, and I I guess I didn't notice it then, but you know, looking at it now, so in the in the course of the year, you're tasked with not just writing you know one movie, obviously, but two movies, and they're both sequels to video game franchises. I thought that was you know. You could say coincidental. I mean, what was your uh, what was your reaction and approach to that? Well, I mean, ultimately they they were standalone. So you know, you've got Rain from Blood Rain Three. Who, um, um, I mean, there was a little bit more pressure there because um, you know the first one was set in, in you know traditional Transylvania, etc. Um, and then the second one was in the Wild West, and chronologically, the third was in Nazi Germany. Now, that's, in my understanding, I, I have not played the game, but Blood Rain 3 takes place in Nazi Germany. She basically kills Nazis. So that was, there was a bit more pressure there, but um, I, was, uh, I was working indirectly with uh, another supervisor, Doug Audie, who worked with Uba. And I, I think I mentioned to Doug that I, I wrote um, that I am a writer, uh, first and foremost. And, um, and then I think he talked to Uva and, or it was Jonathan Shore who it worked with. He's the, he's a post supervisor who's, who's, uh, you know, he's, he's quite formidable. Um, and I think that he mentioned it to Uva and, and Uva just sent me an email and said, Hey, you write Blood Rain 3, you know, I'll <laughs> pay you X amount of dollars. And, um, uh, you know, I was flabbergasted. I was like, yeah, I'll write, I'll write Blood Rain 3. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it, it wasn't the two film deal. I mean, I wrote that and then, you know, that, that did okay. And we, you know, we sold that around the world and then he said, okay, you know, now write King 2. And I was like, okay, great. I mean, you, you just say yes. Um, I think in terms of my process, in terms of 
Fluttering 3, uh, I, I think I agonized a bit more about it, shooting it, shooting it. Uh, and I was here, my wife is pregnant with our daughter, so I wasn't leaving any anytime soon. Um, and I wanted to be here. Um, so I stayed here and, you know, it'd be sort of, you know, I'm up at two in the morning, you know, typing out revisions or modifying dialogue or whatever it was, liaising with their coordinators there. Um, and I, you know, there, there were certain aspects of it that I, it was my first foray into it. Uh, even though it's Uva and it's, it's a bit more flexible and not as rigid. Um, but, you know, they, they use half the script or, you know, whatever it is fighting the Nazis and she's trying to race to, to Berlin to, you know, to stop them from infecting Hitler. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She stops. She has a lesbian relationship. I was like, yeah, I don't know. And so, you know, I take it out of the script and he put it back in and I take it out again. And the third time it's like, okay, it's going in. And I'm like, we're good. We're just going to get, we're going to get lambasted for this in terms of the reviews. And of course it was, it was, you know, why is she stopped lesbian relationship, if any relationship, but, you know, why she stopped. <laughs> so um, I had to thicken my skin to that. You know, I had to, I had to realize, okay, you know, they're taking sort of the core. And the king too, he takes sort of the core of the plot and then he just kind of makes it his own or he adds stuff or he takes stuff out. And, um, you know, uh, that was, that was a learning experience. And I was more than overjoyed to be able to write the films for him. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, yeah. It's always a collaborative nature, so you have to abandon any control freak nature there. But uh, you know, it was it was certainly it was more of a more of a step, um, you know, and it, it was great. Uh, Blubberella was based on Blood Rain Three, and it was I know he alluded to that in in his conversation with you, and um, I essentially my agreement with that. Uh, I, I took my name off of it because I was like, this isn't, it's not my writing. It's just, you know, he's got a bunch of actors on set who are basically free versing and, you know, they're, they're kind of putting concepts in there that I didn't write. And uh, I mean, it's loosely based on the structure of Blood Rain 3. And so that's fine. But I, you know, then it's written by Michael Christopher because, uh, you know, I just, I, I didn't have that much to do with that. Well, now if we look at, uh, if we look at In the Name of the King 2, I mean, yep. the, the first in the name of the king, this is one thing that I thought was, uh, was interesting. I'd be curious to hear how you approached it, because the first in the name of the king movie had a whopping budget. I mean, I guess it's reported at like $60 million, whereas mm-hmm. in the name of the king, too, the sequel is way smaller, and you're working on a much smaller scale. Again, the reported budget, yeah. I think, for that one was like $4.5 million. So when you were writing the screenplay, did you find yourself hampered a bit by what some would say were budgetary limitations and restrictions, or did this almost make it easier to write? Because honestly, I mean, I'm not a screenwriter, but I could almost see it going both ways. How did you, how did you work around that? Well, I think that, I mean, the conditioning in Canada, which, which I think we sort of have a little bit of a, of an advantage slash uh, disadvantage compared to, most American writers is that we just, we don't have the infrastructure. I mean, you know, Quebec, I think does, you know, more box office than the rest of Canada, but there's still very European, very quirky films up here. Um, we just don't have the budget, you know, uh, period. Um, so we're always conditioned to like, well, you know, we can't have a, a fleet of UFOs coming in or, or whatever it is. Um, the irony is now that I'm in visual effects, uh, I, you know, I understand that actually a fleet of UFOs is probably easier than 
other stuff. But, um, you know, we just we always have to be budget conscious as a nation, as, a, as an industry, um, unless we're servicing an American production. Um, but the change between King one and King two was just, it, it was just a completely different creature. It was apples and oranges because, um, you know, King one, I mean, huge budget comparatively, huge PNA, huge distribution. Um, King two went out to basically all the same, all the same outposts in terms of distribution. I mean, it, it traveled the world as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was hampered by the budget. Um, so, Ultimately, my original or the script that I'd submitted that was the final script that, you know, they kind of half used again. Um, and that always, a sidebar, that always makes it, you know, that always sounds like the, the classic screenwriters on the main. Well, they used half my script and if it's not a good movie, that's why. It's like, no, it's, it is what it is. You know, they there's my stuff in there. There's his stuff in there. There's, you know, uh, I mean, Dolph, I'm sure, added his own. Um, Natasha Malte, et cetera. So, um, you know... We have to be less prima donnas and realize that, oh, it's a job. And if it turns out, it turns out. And that's great. Your name's on it. And you own it regardless. Um, so with this, it, originally the script was, it was more of a Rashomon type, type script. There was, there was time travel where, you know, he was essentially Dolph's character. Uh, Granger was, a uh, he was, um, a, uh, I mean, it wasn't defined, but it was a, he, he had been to war in the Middle East and he was a veteran and the whole thing had to do with, you know, the, the killing of his son and it, he came back and sort of looped in this time thing and it, you know, sort of aspects of Looper, aspects of, you know, any, any good time travel movie. Um, and then it just became a, oh, ninjas come forward and then he goes back into time and he's got to defeat the, you know, the, the, uh, the evil king and, uh, and a dragon and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, we had the visual effects done uh, by a company in uh, in India. Um, their name escapes me. It's on IMDb, I'm sure. But, I mean, they were great. They did the dragging, which was great. So it was just, you know, it was just finding these little things like, uh, you know, you've got Dolph sort of bigger than life, literally, uh, Natasha Malte and Lachlan Monroe and, and whatnot. Um, and, and then some of the other performers in that movie, um you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of, um, local actors who I've worked with even on, uh, on, um, Helsing and whatnot, you know, like, uh, who, like Heather Dirksen, um, uh, Heather Dirksen, Alex, uh, Ponovich, they're both on Helsing or have been on Helsing. Uh, Alex has been more of a, of a full-time role on Helsing. So it's kind of nice, you know, like these guys all brought, you know, their A game and it was, it was a fun movie. I mean, you know, it's not Schindler's List or anything, um, but uh, it's, you know, we shot it essentially in the woods around Vancouver, Golden Ears Park, et cetera. Um, and, and then we augmented with visual effects, uh, not me, but the companies that did, uh, you know, they built sort of the front wall of a castle and then they had to sort of extend the, extend the wall and um, different other effects. But it was basically just a bunch of people running around the woods and, you know, blood bibs and practical blood and, um yeah so it you know they it was designed as a more intimate movie as opposed to the first movie which is a cast of 10,000 running through the woods like banshees well and i i have to ask i mean okay so the first in the name of the king movie the the lead is jason statham who is a uh, who's an action hero in his own right and then yeah. for the sequel they they cast uh, Dolph Lundgren 
to to take over as the lead. I, I'm curious mm-hmm. your re, your reactions when uh, when Dolph Lundgren was cast. Is this who you pictured in the role of uh, Granger, or did you have someone else in mind? What was going on there? Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't really have anyone. I mean, I didn't write it first. You know, Jay stayed too, as it were. So I don't think I was necessarily writing to Dolph. Um, and of, and of course, once you hear the name Dolph, when you're thinking, you know the you know Rocky Three and no Rocky Four, Rocky Four, yeah, Rocky Four, um, you know, and you're thinking, you know, oh Drago and and um, the Soldier and and the thing about Dolph is, um, I'm totally segueing here, but he's obviously he's he's a smart man, you know, well, he's chemical engineering he has, he's a black belt karate and so okay, here's a guy who he, he could certainly fill the role. I mean, he's you know this guy is an ex soldier uh, who's seen a lot of shit and is traumatized and uh, uh, and is smart and and he's funny like Dolph. You know, we went for dinner. You know, it took the whole the whole cast and and not producers and whatnot dinner and I sat next to Dolph. But he had like you know uh, these movies are sort of more dramatic and and so here's a guy who ultimately embodied the character, I think, um, even though, the, you know, the character is a little bit, at least on page, funny. He's lethal when he has to be. Um, so, yeah, I I didn't harbor any delusions about Jason Statham coming back, um, you know, just because of, uh, because of the, I guess, maybe the reception of the first movie. I don't know. Um, plus, he was on to, you know, Transporter and whatnot, and uh, that was it. He sort of, you know, exploded in that direction. Um so yeah, I it didn't bother me whatsoever in terms of just the casting. I think that uh, you know I uh, I enjoyed that. Well, I remember if I if I remember hearing correctly, I remember listening to Uva's commentary on the uh, on the in the name of the King Two Blu-ray disc, and <laughs> he alluded to that if he could not get Dolph Lundgren in the role of Granger, then they were going to go out to Steve Austin and. Look, I mean, I, I appreciate and I respect Steve Austin as well, but I don't know if I would have, me personally, of course, I mean, obviously I'm a little biased, but I don't know if I would have bought Steve Austin running through the woods and welding a sword like I did Dolph Lundgren. You know what I mean? Yeah. He can he can hold court. I mean, you know, we did a, we did a script reading in his hotel room uh, with a bunch of the lead actors and uh, he's just, he's very, he's very personable. Uh, and he's, he's very insightful about the character, um, just in terms of, well, maybe he should do this or maybe he should do that. And, you know, I don't know about this line. And so we kind of went through it line by line. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, they end up using whatever they want. I don't know if it would work as well as it did. Well, I mean, um, you know, the, the, the last question I have for you is, you yeah, know, yeah. Lo- looking at your resume, I mean, you have a really colorful resume. I mean, and it's clear that you enjoy dabbling in, in you know, quite a different field in, in terms of uh, writing and visual effects and editing. Are there any other areas uh, behind the camera that you're interested in, in taking on? Yeah, I mean, now, which I'm hoping to, if I don't get a publisher on board, I'll self-publish it myself. Um, you know, the cartooning I love, graphic novel, I mean, that's sort of, I'm cueing that. Um I would definitely direct. I directed a few, you know, shorts and small things, um, just tiny projects. 
I wrote a, an hour-long play for the Vancouver Film Festival a few years ago called Parcha 45. It was, it was really well-reviewed. Um, and it was, it was my first foray into actually directing actors, um, you know, like, uh, like uh, Craig March, local actors. Uh, and it was, it was, I mean, it was a baptism by fire because you have no money. Um, so it's, it's akin to shooting an, you know, an independent film. But I really love that collaborative, just working through, workshopping it, workshopping it, and then actually saying, no, you come in from this side and, and letting the actors be the actors. I mean, you know, I would never be as controlling that, you know, no, you know, put the, put the intonation on this word because they're actors and that's their job. Um, but I would love that. I would love to direct something visually on screen. Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be pitching a, a half hour to the CBC up here. Um, the outfit that uh, does, you know, shit speak, et cetera. Um, and it's, it's a dramedy, but it's, uh, it's kind of a quirky Canadian thing. And hey, if that took off, I would, I would love to direct an episode or, or two, whatever, whatever, you know, I'm allowed to do in terms of the guild and, and uh, applying to the guild. But yeah, that's, that's definitely a route I would, uh, I would aspire to. Well, and the, the comic script series that, uh, that you were mentioning, uh, now what is that called again? And we can find it on Twitter, is that right? Yeah, you can find it on Twitter. There's, I, I basically just threw up some testers. Um, it's called uh, it's called Chai Coffee Shop, um, Chai C H A I, and um, it's. Yeah, I threw up some some testers just to you know just to test test some technical stuff and just to kind of get stuff out there. Um, and then COVID hit, and and then we were on production and doing Zoom meetings, so that kind of fell between the cracks. Uh, as of June, but now I'm starting to revitalize it and, uh, you know, I'm going to start putting it out weekly again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been cartooning for years and really enjoy it. Um, and I, you know, I see a longer form potentially, um, you know, on the horizon. Um, yeah, basically writing and writing and drawing. Well, this has been a pleasure. I mean, like, like I was telling you earlier when uh, when I was emailing you and texting you back and forth, in the name of the king too. I mean, it is such a silly movie, but it's one that uh, <laughs> that I think is fun. And so it is. Uh, I, I will say that it has been a pleasure, not to mention an honor, being able to uh, speak with the writer of the film who helped bring it to screen. Well, thank you, Sean, and yeah, thanks for your enthusiasm. And uh, I'll uh, I'll definitely stay in touch. And you know, I hope to uh, chat with you again. 